Welcome to Secret Scan on the Infinite Guest Network, distributed by American Public Media, recorded in a walk-in closet and or a landlocked houseboat. We're gonna try to do this in an updated manner. My podcast theme doesn't have no words, but my podcast is called Secret Skin, like bus drive with Secret Skin. Not his real skin, but the name of one of his songs. My podcast is called Secret Skin. My podcast is also called The Secret Radio Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise one day, one day, I promise, from me to you, I am going to keep one of those. I will not continue to record the theme song every episode, or I might re-record the theme song every episode, because right now, it fancies me to do so. I'm sorry if you didn't realize that this was that type of program, but yes, this type of program is one that follows the flights of fancy of its host, who is me. My name is Open Mike Eagle. My name is Michael Eagle. That's my legal name. And then my stage name has an open in front of that and then one less syllable in the middle. Cut off the suffix. I don't know why. But I do get asked all the time. And I give them some long answer that... uh. I guess it's true um, historically, but uh, I don't think it gets at the whole truth because I don't think I know what the whole truth is. I might be the worst person to ask how I got my name because I gave it to myself in some series of days that I do not remember at all. And I'm currently rambling and I should not ramble because we have a lot to get through today first of all this episode contains an interview with my good friend and rap hero bus driver aka reagan his name is reagan i don't usually call him bus driver i don't think i called him anything while i was talking to him i just asked him questions and then i said things myself because that ladies and gentlemen is how a conversation works and aside from that conversation i'm here to make an announcement about new music that i'm putting out and you the wonderful, loyal, secret skin listener with your secret name for yourself that only you know. Get to hear the very first song from this EP right after that conversation with Bus Driver. This EP is near and dear to me. It touches on some very personal issues. If you've been following the story of Open Mike Eagle for some time, you've seen many episodes. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is a special episode of Open Mike Eagle. Tuesday on a very special f- Open Mike Eagle! A story of love. I love having this late night talk show. 
and loss. Dang, I split my pants. A story that will touch the hearts of every kid and every parent in America. We're going to help pull each other through this, okay? Okay. It's a open mic ego. You'll never forget. Followed by an all-new phenom Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Look forward to a Tuesday very soon. A special episode of Open Mike Eager will be released to the public. As for right now, you're going to get the very first song that we're showing to other humans off of a special episode of Open Mike Eagle, my new EP, at the very end of this podcast. After my interview with Bus Driver, stay tuned. And I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about the EP and a little bit more about the song that I'm going to play right when I'm ready to press play on the thing. As now I realize that the word play probably has too many meanings. We can get rid of a few of those. Let's assign other words to meanings so that, you know, one day I was opening an unabridged dictionary and I messed around and, and looked up the word fish and it was like five pages. That's completely unnecessary. Abridge yourself dictionary. What you got to know, though, this weekend at the UBS Forum in St. Paul, Minnesota, is the very first live secret skin taping. It's myself. My guests are Carnage. Abby Wolf, stand-up comic Brandy Brown, Psalm One, a rapper who I've known for years and years and years and years and years, near and dear to my heart and super talented. This entire panel, this entire evening of programmed entertainment is super talented people who I'm uh, so excited to be able to um, have a platform for them to perform and we can record it. I'm going to get a chance to talk to them and I wrote a bunch of silly stuff to say in between. It's going to be a really great time. Tickets are moving fast. It's the very first Secret Skin live taping January 30th at the UBS Forum in St. Paul, Minnesota. So, this episode of Secret Skin, like I said, contains an interview with my good friend and rap hero, mentor, Man, this guy helped me, like, he kick-started my career in so many ways. I was just explaining this to somebody today. Um, we both come from this collective called Project Blow down in L.A., and he'd been in it uh, far longer than me because I didn't move here until 2004. So um, I got here. The thing had been going on for 10 years already. I got uh, close to Bus Driver, you know, No Can Do, a lot of the guys that are in the Hellfire Club collective with me. And... Um, when I had some material uh, that was good enough to show people, I showed him early on. This was like 2009, and he shopped it around to labels in town and actually got me my first record deal. Like, I cannot thank him enough for um, lending some of his expertise to me, and he's been doing it all along. Um, I can call him a friend now, too, which is really awesome. Uh, to somebody you look up to and you always respected and admired their music, you're able to call a pal. And because of that, though, and because of my proximity to him and my unique perspective into his life and his into mine, um, I had a little anxiety going into recording this podcast because when we talk, we usually talk about matters that are very sensitive, their career, they are um, interpersonal. Um, and it's a lot of stuff that's not necessarily fit for this format. And um, we don't have a lot of really formal conversations about uh, who we are as artists in the um in the context of our of our work at least in the objective sense that you want to put things in in this kind of format so i mean all that is to say it was hard to interview my friend who obviously has a very interesting career um 
he's seen some super high highs um, and we're all making music together now it's been a real interesting journey for him so um, I had a little anxiety going into it um, you know started off I think I was kind of feeling him out and it's funny at one point when I begin to dial in to um, the kind of frequency of making it into an interview like <laughs> he had a notable pause as he's like oh we were just shooting the shit but then he had to kind of you know we had to turn it into something listenable for people so I had to ask him career stuff and we got into it and we settled and I think we had a really cool conversation except that I said you know what I mean 17,000 times you should make it into a drinking game for yourself just do not get alcohol poisoning and blame me um I should note I recorded this episode uh, the day after Martin Luther King Day and it's interesting because I'm a little um a tad irreverent about how I spent Martin Luther King Day but I actually recorded this episode the day before I saw Selma and if I saw Selma before I recorded this interview I might have had a completely different tone um I'm gonna talk about that movie more next week probably but it it uh, touched me very very deeply everybody go see Selma um Ava DuVernay is an awesome person I'm glad uh she made a brilliant thing and has been put in a position to let a lot of people see it go see Selma it's the end of a commercial for that um I'm about to play my interview with bus driver sit down relax get ready for a lot of uh men objectifying themselves career-wise or rap musicians that think about stuff a lot and um after that I'll be back to tell you about my new project and play your new song this is Secret Skin there's a secret radio hour and this is it right now like right now it has begun we've only just begun yes we have have we have we begun um you you tell me this is uh this is your format i'm in your world uh i just mean like maybe existentially have we begun it's hard to say i really hope so because it's been a lot of effort yeah up until now it'd be good to have started yeah <laughs> what kind of efforts have have been made I don't know. I guess <laughs> I guess I guess Martin Luther King Day makes you think about that. Does it? It, it? You know what? You know what Martin Luther King Day makes me want to do <clears throat> is do what I would do uh, any other Monday, and not in any sort of uh, disrespect or irreverence, but because I think that's kind of what he wanted. You know what I mean? It's for a black man to be able to do what he wanted to do on a Monday. And not have to worry about uh, being like uh, lynched, you know what I mean? Like to, you know, I don't know. I felt I felt like handling business. No, it was good. Well, it's a, I think it's an interesting year to even focus on him because he's such a. Uh, I feel like everyone's made a. Everyone hasn't agreed. Everyone's agreed upon what he is or what he stood for, and I feel like there's there's kind of new context for what he what his goals really were in light of that 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 movie a have you seen it i saw some of it okay but how did you see some of it did you walk out no nah, I, I just i saw some of a screener and i wasn't able to see all of it but i see but i will watch all of it and it was very very well done 
Shout out to Ava. Shout out to Ava for sure. That's so amazing to see her like like I walked into my local theater a couple weeks ago and there was a Selma cutout. Like there was a Martin Luther King as tall as me with a Selma under it and like her name. And I was like, wow, this is amazing because I don't live around black people. Yeah. Yeah. So like this is a big release. I don't. Yeah. No, it's uh, but aside from that, I mean, aside from that being good. That being a positive stride and recontextualize it, an American icon is always important, especially when he's black and his and his objectives were civil rights. It's good to. But what really put him into perspective for me this year was that speech that he did in London. Okay, I didn't even 1964. know about this. Please tell me about this London 1964 speech because I don't know anything about him. It was before he received the Nobel Peace Prize, and I guess I've heard a bunch of his speeches. And I, I dial in, I don't know, I, 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 this speech made me really admire his intellect anew. You know what I mean? Because okay. he, he really, because he was talking to the English people, mm-hmm. so he was able to frame. Americans, or the, the American struggle. Yeah, the, the black the black man's history in America, just, just from a, I don't know, just without being mired and some of the concerns that he would have been if he was saying it in the States. Do you, you know? remember anything that he said in particular that stuck out? Well, he talked about, which is very interesting, he talked about scientific racism and uh, and how uh, a lot of the social Darwinists use Aristotle for justification of this tiered personhood and, and, and you know, and, you know, this, the, uh, all just all these other myths and scientific justifications for the subservient for for viewing black people as subservient, and he talked about the uh, son of Ham and all these other things, and I don't know, he just really put it into per- perspective. He, I don't know, he it was just dazzling. That's interesting. He is a dazzling dude still. One brother had probably read the logic of the great philosopher Aristotle. You know, Aristotle did a great deal to bring into being what we now know as formal logic in philosophy. An informal logic that is a big word known as the syllogism, which has a major premise, a minor premise, and a conclusion. And so this brother decided to put his argument for the inferiority of the Negro in the framework of an Aristotelian syllogism. He could say all men are made in the image of God. This was a major premise. Then came the minor premise. God, as everybody knows, is not a Negro. Therefore, the Negro is not a man. This was the kind of reasoning uh, that prevailed. His mind is vibrant. He's the most, he's the smartest guy now. That, wow. You know what I mean? Wow. And when he, he brought that up, and he didn't bring it up to kind of like, he was just kind of let them, letting people understand the culture that has to exist to justify systemic injustices. Because mm. there has to be a culture in place because no one wants to be a monster. No one wants to live in a world. People in the 50s didn't think they were monsters or they were sending postcards of black people being lynched. They thought this was the proper way to, to, to go about things. And there's a culture, there's a system, there's a belief system. And he just kind of dug in on that a little bit. And that's really, that was really refreshing to hear from 1964. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy because. I mean, part of how I even got to my thing yesterday, and this was, yesterday was Martin Luther King Day for those uh, listening at home, because I don't know when you're going to hear this. I guess you're going to hear this next Monday. But um, part of why I retreated into my work so hard and felt very um, empowered into doing so, because when I 
uh, jumped online and I perused social media like I usually do, I saw a lot of people like arguing about uh, Martin Luther King. And, and that really like makes sense. I felt like that was 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 easily one of the most like uh, bad ideas for how to spend a day was necessarily like arguing about him because like, I don't know like I, I don't like especially on social media like, mm-hmm. like who are you arguing with well, <laughs> like, are, that's it's not a debate that's happening it's just like you're being angry at some person who's not even there I man the internet social media and things of importance <laughs> well in your in your uh career right when you started well before social media did and that's unfolded in front of you like what is your relationship to it as a as an artist or as a human even oh okay that's right <laughs> i'm reagan by the way i make rap music yeah, this is reagan this is, this is bus rap i'm gonna call him reagan because i don't like calling people by their uh <laughs> by the superhero name yeah because you houseboat gotta, yeah you gotta say you gotta say lc after it but <laughs> but I have a problem. I think the act bus driver has a problem with personality in itself. There's an exaggerated personality and there's an actual personality. So that kind of that could that's kind of explored on Twitter a tiny bit. What is uh what is the act bus driver's exaggerated personality? Like what is that made up of? Just a lot of sarcasm, a lot of humor, a lot of colorful language, a lot of just um beliefs kind of stretched into some kind of creative context i don't know but it's it's you know it's it's loosely it's just that loose array of wackiness and uh, I, I, I try to explore that on twitter a tiny bit so i definitely do have fun with it i fuck with twitter so what would you say is the difference between that persona and who you are as a person well, who i am as a person is pretty much similar it's just that uh I guess as I get older, I change, but the bus driver act kind of, hmm. kind of changes in a in a, it changes as well, but it it uh, it keeps some core tenets kind of solidly in place. Hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, but me as a person, I'm I'm uh, I don't know where I am as a person. There's less of an inventory for me as a person than me as an act. Wow. <laughs> Um, I'm really, I'm really interested in those core tenets of the bus driver act though. Like, is that something that you could like speak on? Like, or is that something that's kind of more internally understood? I don't know. Um, a lot of things were internalized mm-hmm. early on. No, oh, I bet. You know, there are a lot of things in rap that I just really fell in love with and I've, that we've kind of just kind of kept pushing. Cause you, you still really love rap a lot, huh? Yeah. Like the act of rapping? Well, yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the best art forms that America has been able to come up with. I agree. I, like, th- I really love rapping. Yeah, and I, I think I think because there's something about it that a lot of people don't really appreciate, probably yeah. because of the racial dynamic. Is there's such a Dadaist nature to rap, mm-hmm. and it's able to incorporate and absorb anything into it, mm-hmm. and make it subject to its own rules. And I, I don't know any other music that does that as seamlessly as rap does. Because I've I've heard I've read hip-hop. your music described as Dadaist. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean that's what hip hop is. When I think about the '80s and what I don't know the idea right. of the sampler. Right. 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 Because you would just literally pick things and make things out of what you picked, and even in people's words, there was no 
like right now there's like established themes and tropes and ways to approach a rap song but i guess then anything like it could have literally been anything well i guess when i started in the 90s in the mid late 90s i guess when i really started um it wasn't really anything it's just that there was people were still willing people were prepared people were people had no idea what was going to happen next you know what i mean people were genuinely being um odd there's a sense of wonder yeah there, there's there's still a sense of wonder i mean I, I think there's still a sense of wonder now i do too i do too i think and honestly i have to think that because that's, that's what like propels me to continue to exist yeah. um and and you know especially more in the past in the face of logic yeah, yeah, yeah. you know was i had to, i had to be convinced that that there was a possibility that a question mark could still happen and people could be okay with it you know yeah i i, I uh I don't think that's wrong to assume that, but I think, damn, I'm, I'm, I didn't really answer your question. One of the core tenets, I think, one of the core tenets is to be honest, is to be honest and to uh, not be afraid of language. Mm. That's another tenet. And third one is to always, always, I don't know, never be afraid. Be honest. Use language, and don't be afraid. And to always. Something about jazz and something about the uh, the history of black music that I said to myself <laughs> a while ago. I don't know. There's something about how I feel about music where it's just it's really essential to tie in all the uh, I don't know all the different strains or I don't know. I just really think it's interesting how rap stems off of other things and how it correlates to other shit. And I always just want to keep that in my music to some extent. Are you in general like? happy with what you make like you do you listen to your old records no ever never do um if i have to learn something maybe i hear you i hear yeah. you i hear you like are you i don't know i really i really like perfect hair your last record i like it a lot and i feel like the reagan that i've come to know mm -hmm. is represented very well in that record. Great. Hi, I'm Reagan. I don't rap for free. And this I got a bad to disagree. But to do that, come on. Let's show you never would admit how sick I've become. This year my pigments blew her. What am I, a crit from Hoover? I know it's a malignant tumor. Oh, I knew it. Come on. Do you feel that? Or was that an intention? Or is that just kind of where you are? No, definitely. I think, um, I think that record and everything I've done since then has been an attempt to try to be more honest and forthright and yeah just show more growth and uh there's more catharsis and in working with hellfire with everyone with you and everybody there's more i don't know there's more of a grand scheme mm. so and and i feel more comfortable socially with y'all so there's more of an incorporation of passing interests did you feel more isolated before well, I consistently feel on the island. Okay, like even even now. Yeah, to an extent. I understand that too. I guess because I feel like one too, but I guess I feel like we're like an archipelago, something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like some sort of uh, Hawaii. Exactly. exactly. You know. No, that's exactly what we are. But no, I, I the record I made before this was Bows and Arrows, and it was like a breakup record, uh -huh. and uh, I felt incredibly isolated during that record. 
But um, I think as I get older, I, I, I become a little bit more uh, confident in what I believe to be correct or interesting. Mm. Or, or maybe I just think, or maybe I just think that I don't know. It's hard to under, It's hard to know what's true as you get older in in your work, mm-hmm. because you don't know if you're telling yourself that just to justify the adventure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or if you're, or if you're, or if you're truly well, reaching something. And it's 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 kind of a weird thing to kind of experience. Well, here's a question. I mean, well, then in that case, because I, I, what my thought would be that maybe you, in a sense, let feed back kind of let you know if you were right or wrong and i know that's not always easy and a lot of times it's like absolutely way off but like what is what is your relationship to the feedback that you get from a record like or do you pay attention to it do you internalize it do you deflect it like i don't know man making music is one is one part of it you know making it and crafting it and mixing it and then you have to put it down and you have to get up in the morning and they have to sell it yeah and absolutely that's, and that's a whole different hat that's a whole different hat to wear you know and uh so what people say about the music i hope they enjoy it because i want the business venture to succeed mm-hmm. but if i'm really honest with myself i could care less i understand i don't get mad at reviewers i don't care have you never gotten mad at a reviewer well i can't because i understand the business choices that were made for me to get reviewed Mm. and you know if i if i I put that in the scheme of what i'm doing what the label's doing what the site's doing the season it's it's really okay if i don't get the best of that of that, you know, if I don't get the best out of a review, because there's so many factors that don't nece- that that aren't necessarily guiding it. So you, know? you give yourself the perspective to kind of not even take it personally, in 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 a sense of like the ultimate scheme of things is not to be taken personally in general. Yeah. But then if you fa- factor those different things in, then well, it's, it's yeah, it's just it's just that yeah, I can't you can't take it personally. Sites aren't going to grade you because they like the record solely right and maybe because you know they may have reviewed your record because of a favor because you're because you're from an up-and-coming label right they may not review your record because you're from an established label or because they didn't spend enough ad revenue there you know (laughs) right yeah 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 all these shit all this shit factors into how that site feels about you and in turn how the world feels about you so it's a big business kind of um, shitstorm, and you know, so if you have the business shitstorm somewhat uh, aligned, and things happen well, then great. If not, then you can't. Ex- you can only expect what you can get. And that being said, selling music is very hard, very difficult, very hard. It's suicidal. Yeah. We're all zombie pirates out here. Yeah, just like it's re- really dumb. So, what keeps you doing it if it's dumb? I don't know because when I sit down and when I make shit with like you and Rory, I just. I can see the world just unfurling, mm-hmm. you know, and I just—it's hard to—it's uh, hard to I- ignore. My scathing critique of your shit leaves your script molten. Cause you wanna drive Porsches through the Waterloo's, have a home like the fortress of solitude. Swan set you storing shit through a hollow tube, but at the end you're just gorgeous piranha food. He's Herzog, I'm P.T. Anderson. At your premiere, I snuck 3D cameras in. I bootleg your shit for the downtrodden Cause you got your film degree at a clown college you use Have you ever made something 
that you like that you consider unsellable every day okay every other day I, yeah and then the other on the off day you do is completely sellable well <laughs> i'm gonna keep it completely 100 mike let's do it most of the things that bus driver puts out are not palatable for a lot of people i'm gonna mm. say that it's kind of niche so it's kind of a kind of an experiment in itself but yeah i don't i don't really know it's sellable that's I think that's why I have record labels so that they tell me. You know what? Honestly, I thought that that well, I hope for that sort of feedback from record labels, and I never really get it. Like I always hope that there's somebody who will be like, "That song sucks. That song's great." But there, there's such a willingness from my experience on on their end to just kind of accept whatever I give them. And not, you know, I don't like, I don't know. Like, I, I really, that's, I remember when I had, the first time I had Rory on, um, I spoke about this with him. Like, that has been the most valuable thing to have in you guys in my life is that uh, if I do something really well, you will tell me that shit. <laughs> like, that means so much to me because I, I make a lot of stuff. Um, and a lot of what I make is really not good. Like, like if I'm if I'm gonna be honest, and I tend to be kind of honest with myself about that. Like, you know, I, I make a song and I'll listen to it five hundred times before I let somebody else hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you know, on that on that five hundredth time, like I'll share it with other people and see what they think, or I'll just complete. I'll just put it away, uh-uh. and nobody ever hears it. You know uh-huh. what I mean? A lot of the songs that I put at the end of these secret skin. Uh, shows have been sh- th- songs that I really liked making at the time. <laughs> I decided they weren't good for any person. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I have them in a vault, and there's lots of them. But it's it. But my process, and that means, has tended to put me in a place where I'm in my own head a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really good to get feedback from uh, live humans whose work I admire. You know what I mean? It's been like invaluable to me. No, it's. To me, that's what Hellfire Club is. It's that work. It's that workflow. Mm-hmm. It's that that feedback. It's that back and forth. You know, I remember when I recorded uh, "Imaginary Places" with Daddy Kev in his house in Echo Park. I never really thought that song to be much of anything. I actually was going to use that song for the B side of a seven inch. It wasn't going to be for that record for temporary, forever. I didn't even think about it. But when I Recorded it with Kev, he, you know, he, he told me, you know, it had to be, it was, you know, the lead single, but, you know, ha- so having those, having those people is, having those people is incredibly important, it kind of dictates where things go, because I, I, I wouldn't have even included that song on the album. I'm just here to hold your hand when you die, and to show you around the mansion every place is, put the money lumps in my blood is dumb, and the bull have a spot in the perfect circle, die in your sleep with a sky at your feet, I'll treat you when you're happy on the thing, you will find peace, how did you do, I don't know, I'm okay, every person I know is a secret story agent. I'm accused of lewd conduct, stole the heart to rape from prom side, and I got a woman for my arrest to put me in a little bit of a funny apartment, cause I'm about to dead, but I'm just trying to hold your hand when you die, there was not a single person who could do it better, no needles can it in my What that reminds me of, and this of course is a way smaller scale, but like, uh, my song Qualifiers, um, it, that song existed for months, the only people who heard it were me and my kid, and, um, my kid would say, he would, like, to give him this credit, he would say, I want to hear the song where daddy's singing, and that's the one he was talking about. And like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but he also likes some really dark songs that I have that I'll never let a human hear. But the first 
two other people who ever heard that song were you and No Can't Do at the uh, at the uh, at Cosmic Zoo. Did Cosmic Zoo, you know? And you guys' reaction to it, to it, like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, cause I just I just make stuff, and a lot of times I like I like it all, but you just don't know which one is like that one. You know, that's really interesting. I'm not like you in that sense. I don't, I don't like everything I do. I, I, <laughs> I actually hate most of the things I do. To be, keep it really. Well, okay. Well, well, well. What, what, what makes you make something that you hate? Well, there's two different me's. There's the objective me that sits down and observes things. Then it's the enthralled performer who's just on one and who's, uh. who's taught himself to mine to fucking mine his fucking consciousness feverishly until something comes about you I know see. what i mean and the producer so, yeah and and sometimes those two don't reconcile you know what i mean I see. you know being the performer and doing the thing and observing it later at this stage in your career does that happen relatively quickly that transition from the creator to the observer Sometimes when I'm making shit, I really just, you know, take a step back and take inventory. And it's just really just a weird practice to kind of dedicate yourself to. In that practice being making rap songs? Yeah, or? making shit in, in this type of way. Okay. Like lowbrow, indie, really indie. What, what, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean by lowbrow? Well, I mean, there's a certain aesthetic that we cater to that's you know that's not unpolished but it's 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 you know it's polished with a certain aesthetic end you know what i mean and and just to i don't know it's just a it's an interesting thing to do at this point of my career but rather than rather than me think it's just the only it's the only default thing that i have i'm kind of aware that it's at least i think it's kind of a way of showing that you can have goals other than other things in entertainment you know what i mean you know because my goals are to make interesting music that's compelling interesting output that's compelling and b to try to create or be a part of a culture that is somewhat left-leaning and expansive and that incorporates more people and that's you know less um you know that is an alternative to what we have Mm -hmm. and you know, and and the third thing is to hopefully make sure that everyone gets to eat a tiny bit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's my third option. You know, yeah. that's the third thing I want. So it's like, but is that okay? No. Why would it not be? Because I'm a black rapper. <laughs> but all most a lot of rappers are black. I know, but a lot. But what did the but but what do the black rappers do? Rap and well, be black. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I see our goal is to change, is to take the working class. I mean, we're not we're not quite working class. We're almost working class. Okay. There's a working class element to it. We're what broke. We, do. we are broke. Yeah. But we're functional. Yes. Kind of. Yeah, we're 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 productive and broke. Yeah, and that's see, that's the difference. Being broke and aspiring for something. We are aspiring for stuff, but we are but we are also equipped to deal with this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that to me is different. That's Rather true. than being, I'm here, and we're we're gonna blow up. It's like, what if we don't? Right. What if we don't blow? And up? we haven't. We we may not. You do you <laughs> feel like you did at one point? I think that the idea is so poisonous that I'd rather not say. Uh, it's poisonous. Wow, that's that's really that's really interesting. It's a poisonous idea. It's really interesting because it's like, 
I've had, I'm, I know, I've had a lot of friends like genuinely blow up. Yeah. Like, you know? Like big money, world class, still eating off of like, whatever that initial blow up was. Like they up. run the uh, the world blow up, you know what right. I mean? Like, and it's like, but I, I haven't experienced that and I don't feel envious. I don't feel like I need it. What made you... Is, it, is there anything to help you not be envious being in such close proximity to people who have achieved that thing, which may not be the goal, but it would fucking be helpful. Well, no, it's the uh, third goal. Like I said, right, right. Sure people <laughs> but no, no, you say eat though. Eating and blowing up is a gulf between that. I think, I think in a sense we can eat now. Like we're not starving. We're broke, yeah. but we're not starving. You okay. know what I mean? Like we have machinery that, that allows us to take our output put it out into the world yeah. and there's some sort of windfall definitely you know um but it would be easier you know if if if, if we saw the rewards that bigger acts saw yeah well you know it's like you go where the work takes you and you see what happens okay. you know what i mean and that's what i like to do. i like to put the ambitions in the projects like oh we're gonna do this shit it's gonna it's gonna be so good then money will have to come to us. You know what I mean? But, right. And that's kind of the only thing I can do about it. I've been impressed with what you've been able to do with uh, production. Like you produced a song on my album. You produced, I mean, would you say half of Perfect Hair? Or like what what, what would you say the ratio of, of what you did more? Like, yeah, I produced about, about exactly half of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you haven't, you haven't done a ton of production on your own records before, or you have or haven't? Um, just here and there. Okay. So what, what has kind of sparked that leap forward for you in diving into that and fucking becoming amazing at it, in my opinion? Oh, man. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, it's necessity, you know? Like, a lot of it has to do with working with you. I remember, because I've done a lot of songs, mainly the people who I produce songs for are me, or maybe you, every so often. And, yeah. And, and just doing that kind of help me expand my vocabulary a tiny bit but i really don't know i just kind of did it because it had i didn't have any beats you know and i had to i know what i wanted to hear you know but well i'm did, still self-conscious about it <laughs> did you did you did you teach yourself how to like make a beat well i've i've known that I've, I've been making beats since i was a teenager okay but i just stopped doing it and i think when low end happened I was encouraged, right. uh, new to start. So, because because when I hear your, your your production work, I do hear a lot of the modern production techniques. Completely, no, it's yeah. And and like those things have eluded me, honestly. Like I you I made beats for a long time. I had to stop when low end happened because yeah. I realized like, oh, I don't know how to do any of that. You know what I mean? And, and the difference between being able to and not being able to is like a huge thing now. Yeah. Like and. So those techniques, you know, the compression and the, the side chaining and this and that, like, did, is, are those things that somebody had to show you or did you just kind of just pick them up sonically or how do you, how, what was well, your journey like in that? I work with a lot of producers and I'm really fortunate to have worked with a lot of guys before they started becoming really national acts. And so like no such thing, I used to work with no such thing before, uh, Lohan Super Duper kicked off. He was actually part of my live act mm -hmm. for like a few months. And just working with him during that period, right before he put out his uh, debut on Alpha Pop, just getting absorbed into his aesthetic and what he did and learning Ableton 
you know, from a true master when it first was kicking off. It was just things like that kind of let me know the importance of it and let me know where I can fit in this aesthetic. And working with Daedalus for years right. has been pretty much the key to how I make beats. Right. Especially because I don't use drum machines, I do it by sight. And a lot of that was due to, was from editing songs with Daedalus, you know, over the years. You know, that's interesting. It's like, I know that you guys have worked together forever. And I never really made that connection in terms of your production, but that makes fucking perfect sense. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that makes perfect sense. Because nice. it's not even just the technique, it's also um, a lot of your beats have a certain element of like this whimsy to them that I really, really appreciate because oh, like shit. that's that's something. And, I, and that word, um, I started using that word in rap because of Serengeti. Like he has an album called Noodle Arms Whimsy, oh, and he shit. and he and he and he rides the whimsy concept, and like, and then it helped, you know, like, it helped me to understand what he was doing that I liked. It helped me to understand what I appreciate, you know what I mean? And like, there's a lot of that, like, in your production, you know what I mean? Like, and it's it's and it's not to take away any seriousness of it. Like, it's fucking to me, it's world class, but it's it doesn't feel confined to that fucking like cold hard standard like it doesn't it doesn't mind taking flights to fancy and i don't either like you know what i mean like it's man, big for me thank you so much that's you know? man it means a lot to me i just do what i can but yeah i don't really know what i'm doing so i just try <laughs> you know but i think it's important to do because i think you know when you're writing a rap you know and when you because to me you know, the the beat is a part of the songwriting as well as the raps. and Of course. What You know, if you can control more of the songwriting and make it all make sense, then more power to you. And and, I, and it's funny because I often feel myself depending on others in a way that I'm not comfortable with because, because of that very fact. Yeah. Well, I mean, working with producers is an art form all in itself. Hmm. And I love working with producers. I will never not do it. I don't... Cause I wanted to do a bus driver record where I produced the whole thing, but I really kind of don't because mm -hmm. I love working with a good producer. You can't really beat it. Uh, you know, I don't get to work with them. I don't really because there's always a certain degrees of separation from a song. You don't know how far you're going to get into it. Right. You know, like sometimes a producer may make an edit and, you know, really dial, dial it in and that's fantastic and maybe you'll have to rewrite something, but sometimes you may just lay it on the beat and it'll just be what it is but i don't know i always look forward to exploring right what the fuck a song could be right now i'm working with that guy lo-fi who we both know yeah and yeah, we're exploring yeah. right now we're exploring <laughs> so it's, it's always a pleasure to work with someone like that because like you're getting someone else's input they do something crazy it's like oh man i didn't even think that was gonna happen it's yeah. i fucking love it but i like doing shit on my own because but then it's also nerve-wracking too because Sometimes I put too much shit on a song because I think it's whack. I'm like, man, I just put some more strings on it. What about these hi-hats? Oh, shit, here comes the snare. You know, and it's like, but no, you just need to chill. But yeah, man, beat producers are great, and I love them. Yeah. I love them when they are when they care, you know. You know what? It's, it's funny listening to you talk about this, and it's funny because I think that where you are with it makes the most sense for how to, like, take your product and make it be the best that it can be. But I do, I get so, um, I get very oddly protective <laughs> and, and I guess like, I think, I think in a sense I limit producers involvement with the work. I feel you. Because, well, what if I want to cut this song? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Real like, shit. I don't, I don't really want to have too much conversation about it. I just want to be able to do that. You know, I've man, I hear you. <laughs> I completely hear you. Like, like you want, like if I let you get this song extra pregnant, then it's gonna be. <laughs> well. You gotta pick and choose. You can't do it with them, everybody. That's you know? true. You can't have a baby with everybody. You can't have a baby with so everybody. Real. It's so real. That's why I got my, you know, got my little stable. <laughs> I, you know, I keep the homies close to my chest so I can I share you, with man. them. I hear you. Dude. But like, how do you? So how do you? I don't understand. So I feel like making songs after last year, after 2014, is kind of like a different thing. How do you feel about making stuff? After last year, last year was a wild year. Yeah, you know, I feel I feel uniquely confident, but I also feel pressure. Yeah. So like new pressure. We'll, so we'll have to see. You know what I mean? Like with this with this episode, like I'm putting out an EP. Like there's gonna be a song at the end of this that is like the first thing that people can hear off of this. You know what I mean? Like now is when I'll see. You know what I mean? Because like. I, man, about two years ago, I started doing something in my writing that I really started to appreciate. I started to refine it, and I started to make it a thing, and then it changed my album. You know what I mean? And my album ended up being about half of that thing, yeah. and then when we make stuff, yeah. I always do that thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I always, I go straight there. Like You know what I mean? Um, and I'm confident in it, but, like, I'm at this point now where it's like, um, I can't keep doing that even. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's, it's very real. <laughs> you know? No, that's how I feel too. I feel like, all right, we did all this. What are we going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. You I, know? I feel that way too, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my talk with my good friend, Bus Driver. It was very enlightening for me. So I know it was enlightening for you because I already knew a bunch about him to begin with. So if I learned something, I know you did. Unless you're his mother, who I met the other day. We showed the Hellfire movie at Center Family and it went smashingly. I am way off the subject now. I enjoyed that talk with Reagan, but uh, down to new business, new EP, a special episode of Open Mike Eagle is happening in your face right now. The album, the EP, the project is released digitally by Mellow Music Group on February 3rd. Before that, I'm going to have some physicals. I'm going to self Press some special edition CD versions of a special episode of Open Mike Eagle. I'm going to play you a song off of that right now. It's called Ziggy Starfish, Anti-Anxiety Raps. And it's produced by Gold Panda, who I was super excited to collaborate with. And here it is, brand new rap song, brand new EP, coming soon. I'm Open Mike Eagle. This is Secret Skin. Space travel veteran, never bland like the ash you to come around, never end 
get this. She asked him most times, never in these old school letter man. Never been like the ash if you know the code. Guess again, just a thing, barely control that they won't give like they gon' live forever. Politicians on straw man missions, stumble in the town looking all ambitious. It's about little Peter Pumpkin Head. He won't eat the wonder bread. He won't pledge allegiances. My saints is dead comedians trying to taste this bread. It's meaningless. That shit is warping my soul. Deep in the center, only water divides us. Same places and different continents in my head spaces and islands. Right then it was decided I ain't never been to this planet Make eye contact and I'm smiling Never been to this planet Make eye contact and I'm smiling 